Okay, let's do some uh, let's do some quick fire questions, Corey. All right. I want to see because these always lead into interesting discussions too. So, if you with a with a gun to your head and it's your your sort of dying thing and you can only pick one, which Tom Petty album do you go with? Okay, I know that I imagine the majority of people on your show when they're asked this question, they all pick Wildflowers because that's that's a great one to pick, right? I imagine Dan you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm going Full Moon Fever. Because that's the album that really got me hardcore into Tom Petty. It has yeah. my favorite Tom Petty song of all time on it. Uh, top to bottom, I think it's a perfect album. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho on his show said a perfect album is like A to A minus. So yeah. even when you got like an A minus, like Zombie Zoo, it's still better than the majority of whatever any you know anyone else is putting out in '89. So yeah, uh, I'm throwing a vote to Full Moon Fever. Um, I love that album, top to bottom. It's it's fantastic. You get so many great, even the 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 deeper cuts off that album are, are you know some of my all-time favorite deep yeah. like the apartment song i love yeah. the apartment song like face, stuff like face that. in the crowd again right. I, I always forget about a face in the crowd and when it comes on I'm like this again greatest hits this is this would be anyone else's this would have been a release it would have been a single and it would have been on greatest hits because it's that strong mm -hmm. but oh there's so many great songs on that album. sorry with um picking favorite albums yeah no it's really it's really different. Like people don't all go for this because I, I kind of thought the same thing too. There's a few of these questions. I thought, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what everyone's going to say. I don't know what everyone's going to say. Not everyone does pick wallflowers. <laughs> we have once someone. I think Jake Thistle picked the live anthology. He found a hacker really? in my question because he's like, yeah, that's <laughs> six records. So I think hey, I'll take that one. Damn it! Oh, see, I should have, I should have picked greatest hits then, right? Because yeah. it has all the grace on them. But mm -hmm. no, no, I, I got to be true. And wallflowers is a, is a great choice. Damn the torpedoes is a great choice. Yeah, uh, I even really like long after dark. I know uh, Tom was the biggest fan of it, but top to bottom, there's some banging tunes on that one. Yeah, man, that's the season I'm in right now. And and going back and listening to those songs, it, it again, it's because I always think, and I, again, I've talked about this lots, but I think about. Damn the Torpedoes, Hard Promises, Long After Dark. That's your Jimmy Iovine trilogy. And yes, he was one of the producers on Southern Accents, but that was a whole different, weird sort of setup where he'd kind of left and then they asked him back because they wanted his help to, to finish things up. But as three albums, as a, tr a trilogy of albums, it's absolutely phenomenal because they, they're all, they, they sort of sound consistent, but you can hear growth in the songwriting. And then you get, you know, you get sort of like, um, you got lucky on on Long After Dark, would never have appeared on Damn the Torpedoes because Tom just wouldn't have written a song like that. And they wouldn't have been able to convince Ben Mont to play the synths on it anyway, if he had done, right? And right. so I think in terms of those trilogies of albums, I think of, you know, if it's Van Halen, uh, Van Halen 1, 2, and uh, Women and Children, that's a brilliant trilogy of albums. Because again, you've got that, you've got all these songs from a band that, have, and most of the songs were written before any of the albums came out, right? It's my understanding yeah. of it. So you've got a very, you've got a real consistency and a sort of a, a fluency to those three albums. Or then you get to, you know, 5150 or 8812 for Unlawful You get those threes. I always see threes when I, mean, I always look for those when I'm, think, when I'm thinking about music and catalogs. You know, it's Sheer Heart Attack, uh, Night at the Opera Day at the Race. It's the same thing. You've got this weird little yeah. three thing. So I always like looking for those. And for me, yeah, Long After Dark is the perfect capstone to that Iovine trilogy. Doesn't have, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, it's got, you got lucky on there. It doesn't mm. have like any of the huge hits, but yeah. top to bottom, spin that, like, uh, I just spun it on vinyl here the other day. Top to bottom, it, it's a banging record. I don't think it gets enough credit. Yeah. And Change of Hearts on there, which, yeah. you know, again, that one could, that one could have been on, that one could have been on Greatest Hits. 100%. Totally agree with you. All right. So here's your second quick fire question. And again, I always All tell right. people the, the quick fire questions, but they're never, the answers are never quick and that's fine. But so, I'm I, I'm guessing that I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to answer. So, Mud Crutch or Traveling Wilburys? 
Oh, this was an easy one for me. I didn't really get huge into the mud crutch thing. I love the traveling Wilburys. Yeah. Traveling Wilburys volume one is another perfect album for me. Uh, uh, end of the line. One of my all time yeah. favorite songs. It just lyrically, it, it speaks to you. Like even if the sun don't shine, you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, I was on a podcast with a friend of mine named Ken Napsock and we we're just talking about Tweeter and the monkey man. Yeah. How brilliant is Tweeter and the monkey man. And yeah. I want that to be a movie. Like get Steve Buscemi, get Vin Diesel <laughs> and let's do Tweeter and the monkey man. Yeah. Like, it's such a great, and there's a Canadian band called the headstones yeah. that actually did a very hard rock version of Tweeter and the monkey man. That's fantastic. But handle with care last night, um, Margarita, so many great songs yeah. on Traveling Wilbur's Volume One. That that would be my choice, hands down. And you just get such a sense of fun from that record. And end yeah. of the line again is it's got this big, it's uplifting, it's upbeat, super simple. And actually, when you listen to that as a drummer, Jimmy Keltner doesn't play a cymbal once on that entire song. All he's playing crazy? is that straight backbeat, and it's but it yeah. sounds great. It's exactly what the song needs. It's just beautifully put together. Then you listen to a song like Wilbury Twist, and it's all simple. (laughs) Just constant with the crash, right? That's crazy. Well, man, as Canadians, we we got to shout out John Candy for the video to that song, right? Oh, yes. I mean, the Wilbury Twist was was just the most fun you can have. (laughs) The most fun you can have without with with your clothes on. (laughs) R.I.P. John Candy. Uh, He just passed his anniversary of his passing here not that long ago, and uh, just a legend gone way too soon. Never made it back. Well, I wouldn't say he never made a bad movie. He was never bad in a movie, is, is how I would There you it. go. Yep. Yep. Well said. Well said. Okay. If you could join the Heartbreakers on stage for one song, what song would you pick and what instrument would you play and or sing? Well, uh, I'd be playing drums and I think I'd be playing American Girl because I love that pattern. Oh, nice. It's really hard. I, I can't do it as of yet, but I'm practicing. I'm trying. Yeah. Like, and I love me some Stan Lynch on the drums. So uh, if I could get on stage with them, if I had to sing a song, it'd probably be Walls. I think that's the only one I could probably pull off. Okay. But uh, uh, if I was playing an instrument, I'd, I'd hop behind the kit and I would attempt American Girl. Well, it's great too because it's the Bull Diddley beats. That's exactly what it is, but it's on the it's on the kick snare, which is unusual. And the cool thing about that song too is I didn't know until after, you know, way, way after and doing probably doing the research for this, for this podcast was... Um, that they mic the way that kit was mic'd, it was two either one or two basically overheads. No, no mic on the kick, no mic on the it was just one mic, and they just did it basically straight. So, which is why the drums do sound different. They don't sound as big as Stan Lynch's drums often do, certainly not in the Arvini era, but they, they sound they're, they're unique. It's a unique drum sound, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, how they recorded drums. Uh, throughout the Heartbreakers' career, is kind of legendary. Like yeah. they got a lot of interesting uh, recording techniques out of those drums. It's it's great. Who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty concert? Well, you know what? I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say uh, a reunited Fleetwood Mac because not only would we get Fleetwood Mac with Lindsey Buckingham and the whole nine yards, but then uh, Stevie Nicks can uh, go play Insider, stop dragging my heart around. Maybe even do I need to know. Like yeah, when she did, I need to know on the Gainesville concert that was phenomenal. Singing back up and learning to fly. So I'm going to cheat and pick Fleetwood Mac just because then we get some Stevie Nicks, the unofficial uh, member of the Heartbreakers. Yeah, the only girl in the band, right? So yeah, <laughs> did you see? Did you see Fleetwood Mac when they came through either of the last two times through to Saskatoon? No, I've never seen Fleetwood Mac. I was no. trying to get there when they came through last time because they had Neil Finn and Mike Campbell playing with them. Yeah, that'd be cool to see Fleetwood Mac doing "Running Down a Dream" and uh, "Don't Dream It's oh. Over" from uh, Crowded House, but. Uh, just you know, it, Saskatoon is still a four-hour drive, and yeah, you know the the you know stars have to kind of align for me to make it up there for a show. So of course, uh, unfortunately, I didn't quite make it, but who knows? Maybe they'll go out again with with those two, and uh, I'll get another I'm, chance. I'm pretty sure they will. I mean, they, 
because Fleetwood Mac are not done. They're, they're, they're going to still do the greatest hits. I don't think they'll record another album ever, but I can yeah. see another two, three years they'll be out on the road again. I, I would be very surprised if they weren't, because Stevie Nicks is still touring. She's still playing, so it would be She's really going to do some stadium then. shows with uh, Billy Joel. Yep. And he'll definitely have... She'll, like, I'm trying to... That, be interested to see what he brings her out because he'll definitely bring her out yeah. for for a song. I mean, a song or two for sure. So I'd be curious to see if they do, you know, leather and lace, or if they do stop dragging out or under. They could imagine Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks doing Insider. That'd be That'd a be weird cool. one. That'd be a weird. Yeah, one. It would be weird, but I, I would like it. Stop dragging my heart around. Would be really cool though. Yeah, that, that seems like a natural. He could do that one. That's more a little bit more up tempo. I think he'd probably do he'd probably do a better job of that one. So yeah, and his band is phenomenal. So. They they could do anything and kill it. They they jump from ACDC to Def Leppard to like whoever just happens yeah. to be in town that night. They bring on stage and they do one of their tracks. So it's yeah. pretty cool what Billy Joel's doing right now. You got to be a really good musician to be in Billy Joel's band because he's an absolute asshole if you're not. <laughs> from what I've read, so. that that doesn't surprise me. Okay, do you have a favorite band member other than Tom? If Tom is your favorite band member, which I always assume he is. And he would be, but, uh, yeah. and, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, they all have their qualities, right? Like, you know, and they all contribute something a little different, but I got to go with Mike Campbell. Like, uh, yeah. he, he's such an, an instrumental pardon the pun, you know, member of the heartbreakers, like even Tom solo stuff, like some Tom told him after, you know, uh, Mudcrutch kind of fell apart when the, uh, you know, they didn't want to bring the whole band aboard. He's like, he, Mike, don't leave me. Like, I need you. Yeah. I want to be playing yeah. music with this guy for the rest of my life. And he did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mike Campbell is so good and so underrated, I think, as a guitar player. Like one of the one of the greatest rock guitarists of all time. Like 100%. he doesn't do all the flashy stuff like a like like a an Eddie Van Halen, but his contributions just, you know, they, they can't be ignored. He's an instrument, you know, he's a vital part of yeah. the sound of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Well, you guys talk about this lots on the Van Halen podcast about, you know, Eddie's quite often at his best when he's playing for the song and he can face melt. He can melt your face anytime he wants to. He can play a million notes where one would do, but those solos where he plays are really tuneful, meaningful. I'm thinking like right now, the soloing right now wouldn't be on most Van Halen fans, you know, list of top five, top 10 Eddie Van Halen guitar solos. But for me, that's, or 5150, let's say, so something like that where it's so melodic and it just fits exactly what the song needs. And that's what Mike Campbell was just peerless out right it was finding exactly the right notes to play and the right notes not to play so yeah couldn't agree more so gotta go with mike campbell even though uh a close second might be howie just because yeah. you you forget like when they added that voice uh to oh. to the records just it just elevated the, the whole thing right yeah okay if you could go to see any tom petty concert from history is the one that you would go to and why well you know what i i thought a lot about this and uh I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit too. And I'm going with Super Bowl 42 because I'm a huge NFL fan. Yeah. I'm a huge New York Giants fan. And that's the year <laughs> they knocked off the undefeated New England Patriots 17 14. But Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were the halftime act and killed it. And the fact that they're not mentioned in the conversation of the greatest halftime acts of all time really chaps my ass because they were amazing that night. Yeah. It was, I think, you know, because most or certainly a lot of halftime acts are lip synced, right? Because the network gets very nervous about if something goes wrong, are we going to lose this? If we lose the broadcast, that's going to really, really suck. But Prince, you, you can't tell Prince or Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to, to lip sync or to mime. That's just not going to yeah. wash, right? It's not going to happen. Bruce Springsteen as well. Yeah. Springsteen, but yeah, even, mean, even just the production, remember that they had that heart boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom on the stage. And then you saw the, and the, the shape flying of the stage. V coming yeah. in. Yeah. The flying V came in. And then once it pierced the heart, 
fireworks go off and they're oh, playing God. American Girl. They just kick right into it. It's like, oh, that's so good. I genuinely thinking about that, the, the mental picture that all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, just remembering <laughs> when you see the lights and it's like, fucking, that is just, that's theater, right? That's going yeah. beyond just the music. Now this is theater as well, so. Yeah, and then they, and they did a uh, American Girl, I Won't Back Down, Free Fallen yeah. and Running Down a Dream. Like just a perfect four song set. Do you know, 20 minute halftime. Perfect, yep. Getting get it. You understand the brief. That's the band that's understood the brief. It's like Queen Live at Live Aid, right? Everyone, that's what um, yep. Bob Gildos said. Memo. He said they understood. They understood what we were trying to get, you know. All right, number seven, uh, Wall Circus or Walls number three. And I've, the way I wrote this question originally was which is the better version, but that's not right. It's which is your which is your preferred version, which do you usually go for? Right, because they're both great. And uh, But I always go Walls number three. I like kind of the stripped down version, you know, a little slower tempo. Yeah. Uh, Wall Circus to me always kind of sound a little overproduced. I, that's kind of the wrong word, but there's a lot of elements in there, right? Yeah. And I always liked it better uh, to just kind of pared back. And my favorite version, like you said, in that PBS show, just pared down Tom with an acoustic. Yeah. Uh, sing, sing. It's such a beautiful song. It's so incredibly well written lyrically. Yeah. It's perfect. Absolute no perfect. So, um, geez, I, I, I go with Walls number three, but I do love Walls Circus as well. And again, I always talk about when I'm, I'm talking to other people, well, why do you love Tom Petty so much? One of the things you love about him, and one of the things I love about him is he was a master of economy. That's such a simple song. There's not much going mm-hmm. on in that. in that. In that version, certainly, there's not a lot going on in that song. It's very simple chord progression, very straight drum beat. He's not modulating his voice a ton, but the impact of the words and the way it's got so much space in it to breathe is why it's impactful, right, and why it sort of lands with you. And of course, when you've got that opening line, some days are diamonds, some days are rocks, I mean, straight away, you almost don't need anything else. You could sing that and then just four minutes of music and you probably get away with it. It's so strong, yeah. right? Oh, and even just, uh, uh, I can't hold out forever, even walls fall down. Like, it's yeah. such an Im- impactful lyric that yeah. everybody, you know, that that's kind of the human experience. Everybody's yeah. felt that. And that's where you get that feeling that, you know, Tom Petty's singing for me. He's singing yeah. about me. That's what he did. When he had that, that knack, I talk about this all the time, is, you know, even if he was writing about something that was very personal and was actually going on in his life, and Night Watchman was a good example of that because he had these conversations with the guy who was doing security in his home or, you know, walk back down, those kinds of things. He still always managed to write them in such a way that you could put yourself in the song and you could look at it from your perspective. So it means something to everyone in whatever way you want it to make, mean to you. He was very, very good at that. And it, was, it wasn't it was accidental. You know, it, that was definitely a thoughtful thing where probably you'd say, well, I probably need to change that line because that's a bit too specific. So I'll, I'll change that out and make it a bit more abstract. It's just phenomenal. Really hard Absolutely. to do too. Oh, incredibly hard to do. And he'd pull it off so easy. And I remember him talking about how he hated how listening to people, how they talk about writing songs. And he's yeah. like, it's not that easy. It's not, it wasn't for him anyway. He said, you know, he'd latch onto an idea and you try something on like, okay, let's yeah. move this around. And okay, I'm gonna have to ditch that part and and, and to make it all fit. You know, he, he worked at it. It was a real craft to him. And where some guys are just like, ah, I belch this thing out in 10 minutes. Yeah. And usually it sucks. Unless you're Freddie Mercury and you're in the bathtub and you write crazy little thing <laughs> called love. Well, Straight Into Darkness is a good example of that. We, when he said in, in Paul Zolo's book, he says that, they didn't really, they couldn't quite get the handle on that one about where, how did, you know, they knew the song was good. And they knew the lyrics were strong and they knew the everything else, but they couldn't quite figure it out. And they said it was when they went over and they had Ben Mont play that opening piano lick. So that's when the song, that's when the song came to life. That's when it's, ah, okay, now I know what the song is. Now I know where we need to take it. So it's that those little things that songwriters need sometimes just to get them over the line, right? Especially when you're in a band, not a backing band. They yes. were a band and everybody yeah. contributed and everybody was instrumental in, in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. And if you've got Ben Montage sitting there, use him. 
Yeah. The guy's a god. The guy's a god. Use use Ben Montage. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Um, I sent. I started sending these to people, and I sent these to you ahead of time, Corey. But I'm actually going to throw you a little curveball at the end of this one too. So I'm going to ask you the question, then I'm going to add you in a supplemental question. But okay. so if you could pick, if you could pick any artist to cover any Tom Petty song, which artist would you pick, and what song would they cover? Well, you know, I was thinking I do a Van Halen podcast, so I should probably pick Van Halen. Uh, and I was thinking, what song could Van Halen absolutely kill? And I always came back to Running Down a Dream because I love that solo in Running Down a Dream. But oh imagine my God. Eddie, imagine Eddie Van Halen flourishes on that solo. And I, I know, like, you know, the, the drumming on, on, on the studio version is very kind of straight ahead, but Alex will throw something funky in yeah. during Eddie's solo on that little something with the cymbals something with the hi-hat maybe yeah j- just to kind of accent it just uh, that little especially... off in that little offbeat in those couple of little offbeat sections yeah oh man yep. that's that's a great show man <laughs> that's a great show and that's you've kind of actually you've you've got ahead of me because that was what i was going to ask you because i was thinking oh. if you asked if you pick someone else i was going well what about van hill so i've got another <laughs> one up my sleeve though what about aerosmith if aerosmith covered a tom petty song which one would you go with geez you, you got to go with something uh you know uh just thinking back long after her change of heart I, I think is a song i think they could do uh, quite well That'd be great, yeah. It's got that Joe Perry. It's got that bluesy kind of chunky kind of riff to it. So yeah, because they're very much a blues-based band. You you could uh, pull a song out of the hat from Mojo, and I think Aerosmith could probably do that pretty well too. But just off the top of my head, we're talking about Long After Dark, and I think that's an album. I think uh, early Aerosmith, especially, I think they they could cover any one of those songs and do a pretty good job of it. Man, I love that. I wonder if we could do that. Maybe we could get Wolf, get Wolf into sort of you know and get him run down a dream bar. That would be. That would be spectacular. Wouldn't that be something? That would be something oh, else, yeah. No, okay. Now, which, which vocalist? Is that what you're going to ask? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you, which vocalist, yeah. So I said, her thinking, yeah, who, who would fucking sing it, right? <laughs> well, obviously, Gary Sharon. <laughs> obviously. No, Daryl Hall. <laughs> yeah, I waited for you to get a swig of your beer before you said Daryl <laughs> yeah. Hall, the unofficial lead singer of Van Halen there oh, for a God. bit. But you know what, Sammy or Dave, I, I, I think yeah. would do a good job of it. It's, it's not... Uh, a ch- you know Tom Petty songs. I don't think are all that challenging to sing. He obviously has one of the most distinctive uh, voices in rock yeah. that makes it brilliant. And the little inflections uh, he talks about. I remember listening to your show on a, uh, I think it was American Girl. Just the way he uh, accentuated balcony, balcony, like yeah, 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 little things like that, right? So yeah, um, I would probably lean more towards Sammy uh, doing that one, but I think Dave would do an all right version of it too. I wonder if Sammy's ever covered a Tom Petty song. Because he does, he does a lot of covers with Chicken Foot and with his, you know, with his Cabo Wabo parties. That'd be interesting yeah. to go back and see if we could find, see if we can find it. Because I'd be, I'd be kind of somewhat surprised if he hadn't at some point. Especially, especially during the Cabo Wabo parties, like you said, yeah. like, those are just big jam sessions, right? Like, and everybody loves and respects Tom Petty. They, they had to have at some point. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna dig into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there a song that you most frequently recommend to people? Um, who don't know Tom's music? If someone says, "Okay, well, I don't really know anything," but maybe, I, or maybe I know American Girl. What's the song that you would throw at them to say, "Well, this is sort of who this is where I would start." Uh, it's I don't I won't back down. That's my favorite Tom Petty song. It's my favorite song. Yeah, I love everything about. It's a perfect song. Uh, it's played perfectly. It's sung perfectly. It's got tremendous lyrics. I, th- whenever it comes up on shuffle, I never skip it. And yeah. I, I've skipped, I, I'll skip the occasional Van Halen song, Running with the Devil. If I've heard that, you know, a hundred times in the past, I'll give that a skip, yeah. you know, and, and that's one of my all-time favorite bands. I never, ever skip. I won't back down. Yeah. I remember I went to a UFC event in Las Vegas and Chris Weidman was fighting in the co-main event and that was his walkout song. And when that hit, the whole place kind of erupted. 
Yeah. And it, just to hear that in that environment was so cool. Uh, Johnny Cash's version is brilliant. The stripped down acoustic version is brilliant. Yeah. I will still, whenever it pops up on shuffle, I will sing it at the top of my lungs, especially, and I will well up whenever he sings, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. That is just yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when the, the, the uh, University of Florida and the Gators, when they, when they come oh, out, yeah. they, then they play that at the, I think it's the halftime or something when they play and you get this stadium of 90,000 people all singing it. It just, it does, it gets me right. You know, when you get that sort of thing where your breath hitches a little bit, it does really makes me more really emotional in a good way. It's a happy emotion, but it mm -hmm. makes me very emotional. It's like, fuck it. And it is, it's, it's a song that's meant to be sung by a throng of people, you know, because yeah. it is, and it's like, this is what I was saying earlier though. It's very deeply personal. It's a very personal song, but look how it connects with people. Yeah. Well, really Todd even said like, you know, he debated whether it was too personal, if he should like mm -hmm. dial it back in a couple of parts, but like you said, it's personal for everybody. When Johnny Cash sang that song, it was personal to him. Yeah. And, and you could tell the way he sang that, right? When I hear that song, it's personal to me in experiences yeah. I had in my life. And it, it be, it's an anthem for everybody. And that's what yeah. I love about it. Um. Okay. So describe Tom Petty in three words. That is hard because there's a lot of words, right? So I'm trying to, I was trying to <laughs> distill it down. What are the three words? Uh, first uh, is songwriter because I think Tom Petty is the perfect songwriter. And that's when I think of Tom Petty, that's the first word that comes to mind. He is just the epitome of a songwriter. It's so yeah. good. Uh, second word I'm stealing from Dave Grohl because it fits so well. But when he was talking about Tom Petty, just like everything about him is so badass. This song is badass. Tom Petty's just a badass and he's a badass. Who the hell stands up to their record company to get their <laughs> publishing back and declares bankruptcy <laughs> and like calls their bluff to the point where like this kid's not backing down. Let's got his catalog back, got his own, you know, imprint label and all that kind of stuff. Like that is badass. The guy was a fucking badass. And three, yeah. um, icon because he's surpassed legendary. Uh, in my mind, Icon is like, if there was a, a Mount Rushmore of rock and roll, Tom Petty's mug is right on that fucker. Uh, he is an absolute icon uh, in music. He's one of my uh, musical heroes that I just love dearly. And I'm so thankful you're doing this show. And I can go back and listen to the back catalog along with you because you're a fantastic guy. And I love listening to you talk Tom Petty. And I'm so thankful you invited me on here tonight. Yeah.